Hi, I'm Thomas Russo and you are listening to the Ace Space. Oh, what a way to finish! It's a second match point saved! As Thomas Russo hammers an ace serve. Hello everyone and welcome to the Ace Space, the volleyball podcast brought to you by CEB where every week we get to know a star of the game. Um, who do we... See, I'm terrible at this. Who do we introduce first? Do we introduce our special guest or the other presenter? Thomas, uh, you choose. Definitely you guys first and you build up to like guest. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, in which case, spoiler alert, not that it was already written in the title, but we do have a great guest today. But before that, in the big seat, Key Michael, how are you? The big seat? Yeah. It's not that big. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. This is my second official podcast conversation. I feel I'm getting I'm getting used to it. I'm getting comfortable. I'm not sweating quite as much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all good. And our special guest, drumroll please. <laughs> Poland, I nearly said Poland International there. I've messed it up already. Uh, going into your fourth season in Poland, Belgian International. We are delighted you could join us. Thomas Rousseau, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you. Uh, where in the world are you, Thomas? I'm actually in my uh, own apartment right now uh, that I had uh, like since, I guess, May or something. So uh, it's brand new. I have my own place uh, in Belgium, Brussels. Um, happy oh, to be beautiful here. city. Happy to be at home, yeah. Most beautiful really city amazing in the world city. <laughs> for me. That, I tell you what, that's a big call, but uh, but yeah, it is pretty awesome. Also, we release these podcasts as a video now every Wednesday, and uh, I make sure that I've got my little bit of foliage, but your place looks really clean, man. Oh, the yeah. fans are going to love that. Oh, yeah. Plants, yeah. I got some plants everywhere. Uh, my girlfriend is also very, in, she's a big plant mom, you know, so... <laughs> Oh yes, houseplants make all the difference in an apartment. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. You can, you and, like, I mean, Corona, Corona, like cleaner. hit us, and we got like bored, and we went a little over the top. You know, <laughs> there's <laughs> twenty plants to uh, feed and water and do, and yeah. Oh, I'm nice. on board with that. Look at my backyard too. So we've got you for three episodes, Thomas, which is super exciting. And we are looking to cover a lot of ground in that time. You'll be fed up of talking to us by the end. Um, but, but let's start with, um, with Brussels then. You're, you're back there. How does it feel to, to be home and spend some time there these days? It feels pretty amazing. It always feels amazing to be at home and because I just, you know, I have a very... A very nice home situation in my opinion uh belgium is so small my family's so close i have all my friends close um so yeah i was also very excited with the new apartment uh coming back after the season um, to my own place you know because before i was still living with my parents um but then yeah corona uh like hit us and it was kind of like you know expectations were sky high also like you know we're going to be able to do all these things and you know go to these concerts and festivals and this and that and yeah then that didn't happen so uh it was it was interesting but still i was just happy to be with my partner in the apartment and we just focused on uh furniture and like you know um you know making it at home here you know so and i saw some videos of you guys doing some yoga recently. oh yeah is yeah. that uh are you into that or are you I'm, forced yeah, to yeah I, I am uh, definitely into that but i would say it's because of her 
my mm. my girlfriend is American, by the way. She uh, she's a, oh, cool. a professional dancer um, who's oh, looking wow. for a job in like contemporary and ballet dance, uh, which is not happening right now because the culture sector is uh, completely dead for the moment. If any listeners out there have any ah, there pointers yeah. or anyone yes. that you you know hire her. Send Thomas a message. And so she also does yoga and stuff. And um, yeah, it's just great to keep your, yourself fit because at some point also we couldn't even go out of the apartment. Uh, and then we yeah. just, you know, had to like be creative inside the apartment. And now we have this these uh, weekly uh, sessions kind of in like a park uh, close to like my apartment where like my sister, my mom, some friends and stuff come over and I always have to join and be like, she's our teacher. And then she like gives us a uh, yoga classes. So you do all like family yoga. Yeah, all yeah it's cool. Oh, that's and so it's awesome. great for volleyball. I mean, I started because I had a lot of back pains at some point. I started just stretching mm -hmm. and stuff and it just got way better. Also my like hip mobility and flexibility got better and stuff. So yeah, I'm all into that um, stuff. You I do need it, to Kate. start doing yoga then. I, oh, I, no, I okay. wake up with back pain every, almost every day since the season yeah. ended. More so than when I was playing volleyball. Yeah. So I think maybe it's I need to get like, into I get out of bed well. sometimes and I'm like, such an old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try to touch my toes and just like, you know. Yeah. Uh, now you've not been playing for a little while. Yeah. Has it affected your your weight because i'm always fascinated by um the sort of difference that between athletes bodies and normal humans being human beings bodies because athletes I, are also human beings well just, you're not just, you're not regular no, no, human no, no. beings I, I spoke to <laughs> i spoke to your um belgian teammate sam duro a couple of times in in the past few months yeah. and he was saying that he actually lost a few kilos yeah, yeah, yeah having not played whereas you know if a, a recreational player like me if i didn't play i would almost definitely gain kilos yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, how has it been for true, you yeah and sam is definitely like in his very healthy phase and stuff right now so he like he it's true that for example me i also lost weight because your muscle like you know you have so much more muscle when you're constantly working out and uh, you know practicing and stuff um, that's true. Um, so I definitely lost a lot of muscle, um, also because I don't have weights here or anything. And I mean, mostly we need more explosive things or more like strength, uh, like practices. Um, and I didn't have that. And obviously also it's like, you know, you eat different because you're not in your, uh, you're not in a competition. So I definitely like you gain fat, which is normal because, you know, in, in the season, sometimes I was around like 6%, 7%, which is really like playoff what? percentages. You know, you're super skinny, but you're also very sensitive to getting sick and stuff. And then after the season, I just like, yeah, gain some more fat and lose some more and lose some muscle. But I think that's kind of normal in a sense because, you know, your, your, your body isn't used to or made for like what we're doing during the season the whole your whole life you know so it's kind of more like accepting your body as well because you're so used to like having like you know a very fit body and stuff and then you kind of see changing and you see your belly button getting a little like more <laughs> um, but it, it's all it's all good i think like you know i i can't complain and um, i'm sure like once we'll start again like i'll get that muscle back i'll be sore for three weeks but you know yeah, your body is used to it. After you've been doing it so long, it just bounces back. I think. I think yeah, 
so yeah. quickly. I'm not worried, you know, just, you just have to want to work hard, of course, you know, in, in the weight room or something, and I, which, which I like. Then you get the muscle back and then you get the strength back and then it's all good, I think. You said 6% there. I think if anyone was referring to me in 6%, it would probably be like percentage of winning hits or something like that. It certainly wouldn't be body fat. Um, so we've got you for three episodes and you've mentioned your family a few times already, which is great because I was hoping in episode number one to talk about it because it's not very often in professional sport you get the success story of you and your father and your sister and before we pressed record you were you were saying that uh, that your brother was yeah. a setter as well yeah. i i didn't know yeah. that so let's start at the very beginning then because it would be easy to make the assumption that when you were all growing up your your dad had played pro and he was coaching at a top level and obviously it was a big part of your life but but how much do you remember about sort of your really formative years as a as a young child and volleyball? Was it a massive part of being a youngster? Um, first of all, my mom was also a volleyball player. Uh, she was in the national team of Belgium as well. Uh, and so my father as well. Uh, my father was also as a player, uh, got the like best player of Belgium, uh, best player of the year award and stuff. So like, yeah, big family. I have a brother as well, the oldest one. Uh, who was also a setter, um, but he, you know, just had other interests, and he's a firefighter now. But oh, wow, um, cool job. So yeah, my first memory I'd say is um, so I was too young to play volleyball because I was like four or five years old, and um, my but my brother and my sister were playing, and they were playing in this club team that my father was a uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, he was a coach there, but or like the head coach or something. You'd say like he would uh, give practices to different age categories, etc. And it was kind of his club team in a sense. And uh, but I always had to get uh, like go along because after school, like you know, we we, we both um, all three of us went to the same school. Uh, and then after we had our activities, and they were like practicing where my father was the coach, and I just had to wait there, you know, and just wait for the practice to be over. And I was such an energetic kid and I was always like you know wanting to join and this and that and I remember going up to my dad once and he um I asked him like dad how do you how do you spike like you know how do you spike the ball and uh and then he showed me um uh but like he's right-handed and I'm actually left-handed but he didn't think that I was left-handed so I like he taught me how to do it and I kept doing it with right and I'm spiking with right now you know if he would have let me spike with left or he would have thought about it, maybe I would be like an amazing left-handed, I don't know, setter or something or yeah. <laughs> no, but, and that was kind of like my first memory, like waiting there for my brother and my sister to finish the practices. And I just, you know, got so into it. and wanted to join that at uh, one point, my dad caved and he let me like join. And he said it was such a, a pleasure to see me. And he said, I did really well. Like uh, that was very, uh, good like my attitude and stuff because I was kind of like a crazy kid when I was younger uh, so from then on he just uh, <laughs> he let me play and and that's where it started yeah. wow, interesting hey. you say he let you play I, I most people that I know that are coaches and parents they can't wait for their kids yeah. to join in and they, they, that's all they can think about is I can't wait but the thing is she is a little volleyball player. yeah I, but the thing is like my parents are physical educators so that's their job like you know um, or that was their stu uh, study direction, I guess. Um, right. So they're like, 
they didn't want us to necessarily play volleyball uh, because I also played three years of soccer, for example. Um, so they were really like, we want them to make the choice, uh, like doing whatever they want. I did like before I did some judo, I did some other stuff. Like they let us try a lot of things out before actually like yeah. uh, letting us play volleyball because they were like, we don't want to be those kind of parents where like, you got to play volleyball, you got to be like that, you know? I wonder if that's why you love it so much, you and your mm. sister, and you're so actually willing to work hard and go far because you chose it. You chose it for I yourself. Mean, I mean, feel, I feel like I do. Like I said, our older brother, he doesn't play anymore, mm. and that's fine. Like, it's like some people have this uh, idea about our family that, you know, you have to play volleyball or we're all like, we're at the dinner table talking about volleyball. <laughs> but there's so many dinners and whatever that, like, Volleyball isn't even mentioned once, you know? So yeah. that's just a little bit like, um, I think the outside world thinks we are really completely all volleyball and we had to do it because of our parents or something, but that's actually not the reality. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of my, I guess that's my answer. I hope it's not too uh, long. No, that's, that's perfect. That's just what, uh, just what we were after actually, because one's only got to take a look at your personal Instagram to see that you are an incredibly close family and it seems like you've got a lot of support for each other and uh, a lot of love for each other. One thing that I did find interesting with with you and your sister is that you played in Italy in the same year and you played in Poland sort of from 2017 onwards. Was that coincidence or was that a deliberate thing? Like the the fact that she was also playing there, or yeah, yeah, obviously different different teams and different cities, but you seem to be in the same countries at the same time. Like Peter Verheers was also playing in Monza with me, another Belgian player, and we were like we just had our little group like around Milan, which was uh, amazing. Like to have your like I have a good connection with my sister, of course, so it was good to have her uh, with me. And then yeah, I saw like um, oh I can go to Poland and yeah, Elena also was in Poland. So that was, that was just great. You know, it worked out well, even if we weren't uh, close necessarily, like uh, playing close to each other. Um, it's still nicer to feel like, you know, you have your, uh, your sister there, or you have some like support or whatever or family. And then I signed with uh, Resovia and she was already like playing in that like city, like for the women's team. And I was so like hoping that she would stay there as well, because that would have been amazing, you know, like playing in the same city with your, uh, with your sister and then for the, for the parents even to visit and stuff. Um, yeah, but it didn't happen, but I'm always, uh, yeah, our, our lives kind of seem to intertwine a little, you know, now she's signed in Korea and there were also like, always like, I oh, also have a brother, you know, and then like, ah, oh, he should also come and this and that. I was like, it's always kind of like a, like a family thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, you're lucky because you're both at the level that you can make those kind of decisions and you can take into account that you want to be close or, you know, certain teams will look at both of yeah, you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. We, we, I feel very grateful for that. Um, it's not that I'm looking necessarily like to go to a team close to her or something, but uh, I'm definitely like grateful for having the chance to even be in a completely different part of the world or another country close to a sibling like uh, like my sister, you know? That's pretty cool. Yeah. It all seems very supportive and very kind of 
free and, and lovey and whatever. <laughs> lovey. Were you ever, or are you and your sister competitive with each other? With each other? Uh, I would say, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Um, but more like when we were younger, I guess, because now we don't like more in sports and stuff for sure. And I was definitely like a big bully in the family. Like, <laughs> really? Sometimes. Uh, but um, now, not, not really, because, you know, you like grow up and then um, you just don't see each other that often anymore. So there's also way less, I guess, possibility for annoyance or something or for competitiveness or whatever, you know? So I guess. So you've gotten closer over the years. Oh yeah, but we've always I feel like that's really the way it close, was. But um, maybe I matured a little because maybe that was, uh, <laughs> always like you know the um, how to say yeah I was sometimes just a little bit like yeah annoying. It was like my way of showing her love or something, teasing her a little and stuff. Uh, so in that sense, we were like kind of competitive when we were like doing something and like you know on each other's back or something, but in the most positive way actually. So. Key, of all the people you've met in volleyball over the years, in terms of p- players you've played with, played against, yeah. coaches, friends you've made, have you ever met anyone less likely to be a bully than Thomas Russo? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, actually, actually, I have to say, as I was re- doing my research for this podcast, I did, I sort of put the feelers out. I sort of asked around some people say, oh, you know, what, do you know anything about Thomas or Helen or their father? And I have a quote for you. Do you want to hear yeah, it? Sure. <laughs> Thomas is really funny, very outgoing, fun to be around, so you'll be really comfortable. Wow. So now. Yeah. And now? <laughs> are we, play, are we you, playing a guessing game? Do you to, think, no, I'm, I'm going to keep them. I got to keep my sources all okay. the <laughs> Journalist secrets. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I, I would say that's how I would describe you now that I've met you for five minutes. <laughs> so you're very funny, <laughs> outgoing. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I kind of um, feel like I have this um, this this image uh, or this label, I guess, in volleyball of being a very positive guy, um, and and yeah, like I like to smile and during the games as well. Um, but that's not all. Like that's not like you know, that's not all there is about volleyball. You know, sometimes you also have to be. Sometimes I am also demanding or competitive or not constantly positive you know because i know or if someone pushes your button yeah yeah i I don't know if i should talk about it on the podcast but i also saw a video on facebook of a little scuffle through the net a couple of years ago yeah 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 like that must have brought out the worst like like that in poland um it's a different culture than i'm used to like in belgium for example uh different country and also a different style of playing um, but also on an emotional level, for example, players are very, I would describe it very manly in a sense, very aggressive uh-huh. at times uh, in, in that, like, in that sense, not that being manly is aggressive, but in, okay, in that uh, aspect, they are, a little... they're trying so, to sort of, and then you have like my are... style of playing is maybe a little more, um, more focusing on, you know, like enjoying the game because I love to play the game and, and you know, smiling and stuff and celebrating and, and having more fun and winning or something in that sense, then for them, they they think that's not like a characteristic of a strong person or something, you know? So sometimes you have to stand up for yourself as well. Um, it for can sure. be misperceived or even with coaches, it can be 
sometimes um, something like, oh, Thomas is a very good guy, a very positive, nice guy or something. And it makes it easier for them sometimes to maybe pick another player over you. For example, those are things I learned also throughout my career, mm. um, being who I am. And I'm not going to change who I am, but I also need to face the reality that sometimes, you know, in other, there's other people as well. And you got to stand up for yourself and you got to show a different side for yourself as well, you know, than, than, than just a smiling, uh, positive guy or something. How easy was that to do then uh, early in your career when you when you signed for and I'm so sorry is it Rosolare yeah, Rosolare you can pronounce it with a okay with your R I'm trying to teach my girlfriend some uh, Flemish and I just said like drop the R trying to do the R just go uh, I, I can do the R so I'm okay. I'm from Wales okay. oh, and okay. we've got some R's in us okay. in fact I, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to bring it up but I watched a replay of one of my favorite football matches of all time from the European Championships in 2016 when Wales beat Belgium 3-1 oh, in the quarterfinal. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a great honestly. He had to throw that in, Thomas, didn't he? <laughs> hey. Well, the, th- the thing is, Key, going into those championships, I thought Belgium were going to win the Euros in 2016. They had such a good team. Yeah. And Wales was just this ramshackle bunch of sort of journeyman footballers with Gareth Bale. Yeah, and... <laughs> Ramsey, yeah, Ramsey and Bale just carried the team, and it was amazing. Uh, and yeah, Belgium, Belgium went one. I, I don't. Remember. Sorry. <laughs> Belgium it's went not one nil. Burned into your memory. Be- no, Belgium, no, no, no. Belgium went one nil up with one of the best goals of the entire tournament, and then somehow out of nowhere, Wales, Wales won the game. But anyway, yeah. moving swiftly on. Um, so Rusolare. Yeah. Um, so they they were your first professional club, and of course your father was the coach yeah. so how how was that uh, as a dynamic obviously yeah. he wouldn't have signed you if he didn't think you were yeah. uh, you were good enough and you yeah. certainly were good enough but people talk yeah yeah good question um because before so in this club team when i was younger he was always my coach as well and then i went to the volleyball school and a lot of belgian players i think like 90% of the national team is like went to this volleyball school. Um, so it's like a big thing. He was my, my uh, coach as well there. And then he signed with Rousselaar and I finished volleyball school. So I was, I was about to sign my first professional contract. And, um, and in that time I had a couple of offers from like, in that time it was Antwerp, it was Mazek, um, it was Rousselaar and then it, and those were like the, the big four, like really like good teams. And Antwerp was really nice. And I really like liked Antwerp as, actually. And I was talking with them. I was talking with Mazek. Um, and then yeah, my father signed with Rousselaar, but I didn't even talk to Rousselaar or I didn't even have in my mind, oh, I would play there. And then he signed there. And, um, and I still wasn't like, oh, then I'm going to sign there, you know, because my father is there. Because I honestly said like I already had a lot of years with him. <laughs> Uh, but he said like listen Thomas like this is like my idea of the team this is my idea of what I'm like gonna try to do with this club and stuff and besides the fact that you are my son I really think I see a really important uh, place for you in this project and then yeah I just honestly like I signed but it wasn't because like oh my father is there now it just made a lot of sense and then you know I went there with this young group um and we we won the championship and we won the cup and we won the super cup 
and my father was coach of the year and I was rookie <laughs> of the year and our MVP of the of the year. So it worked out great. Like, you know, and they had really a couple of bad years just before my father came. So it was like, I was so happy about my decision, you know? Yeah, I bet you were. It, Perfect it, timing. It couldn't have gone any better. Oh, it was really, literally won everything there was to win. Uh, so you're saying you regret it all. It was a terrible yeah, decision. <laughs> it was the right, the right call. <laughs> Even if it wasn't yeah. always easy, like I, I didn't play like the first uh, part of the season because I was the rookie, you know, and I had to really fight myself into the team. Uh, and I, I did it, obviously. So my dad also didn't give it on a silver uh, platter then. Um, but yeah, I was, was crazy happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And I wonder if he was more aware as a coach and you were more aware as a player um it's obviously you were both you were both highly professional about it but in those periods of time where you weren't necessarily getting the court time that you thought you could because you were a rookie did that frustrate you at all did you feel as though you might have been benched because your father didn't want to show any favoritism yeah yeah definitely because i remember like uh one conversation with him where I really had to like sit down and say like hey Emil you gotta you gotta risk it you gotta try to play me I feel like I'm ready and I feel like I'm showing that I'm really ready and practicing hard and um, he was never protecting me in the sense of like um, you know doing like less like being less hard on me than on other players he was always harder on me you know and um and he was protecting me in that sense that he was a little scared like yeah if he fails then you know it's also me because you know he's my uh, i'm the coach and he's my son and this and that so i felt like he was kind of like being a chicken about it sometimes and i was like uh, (laughs) i I said i sat down with him and i in a good way obviously i told him like i feel like i'm ready and i feel like you should really uh try it and i want to give you the signal that i'm really ready or something you know and then yeah it's kind of felt like that was a good uh, a good change like you know even with with every every coach um it's always difficult to communicate in a sense as a player because there's always kind of like you know coach player um but it's it's always good to communicate with your coach and it's also hard even if it's your dad to communicate with your coach sometimes so i was happy i did it and it, it kind of changed uh, something for me there you called him Emil there. Do you call him Emil in volleyball and dad out of volleyball? No, I always call him Emil or like a nickname or something. I, I don't know. Because before... What's his nickname? We call him the Miller. It's like the Miller. <laughs> because before, and also in practices, even when we were really young and you like wanted his attention and you were like, Papa, like Papa, he wasn't listening to you. So you had to go like, Papa, Papa, Emil. Like this, you know, because he's like always with his head in the clouds or something or thinking about this or that. So I just like yeah. like that and I always call him Emil. Yeah. Hmm. It would also be a little weird, you know, if, if he would be playing in a team and he'd be like, Dad, Dad. <laughs> Did it make yeah. it more difficult to leave then? Because you went to Italy after three very successful yeah. years there. Was that a tough thing to do? No, it was... I, I looked forward to it because um, for me, Italy was, had always been my dream to play in Italy as a young uh, as a young kid and to play abroad, first of all. Um, so when I had the chance, I also had the three years in Uruslar and I was really done being the son of the coach. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm really, I'm out of here because it doesn't matter. Like if you play, 
you can only play a perfect game, but nobody plays a perfect game. And if you don't play a perfect game, you're, uh, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just sun or something. So I was kind of like fed up with that. Even if we were winning everything, I was like, what is some people's yeah, yeah. problem? Like, <laughs> so I was like, and do you think, yeah, sorry. Do you, sorry, do you think he was stricter on you than he was on the other players? Because I've heard from my quote that he's quite a strict coach yeah. as it is. Do you think he was even harder on you? I mean, sometimes uh, he definitely was, or most, yeah, he definitely was. And some, it's it's hard, you know, as a with your father as a coach. Sometimes you take um, it's difficult to always change um, what happens on practice and what happens like after. You know, you need to make a. To yeah, to separate it exactly, and sometimes it's hard because with your dad, there's an emotional connection as well. So if he's like crazy hard on you, and he, um, yeah, like made you suffer in a sense, like physically, and and like it's difficult to after separate it after practice and stuff. So that makes it really hard sometimes. Um, but on practices, I'm happy he always pushed me harder in a sense, or he was more strict on me because it would be. Mm unfair and it would put me in a in a weird situation if he would be uh less hard on me i would feel uncomfortable you know because then you give people the reason to say oh his son is like you know he gets this yeah he gets priority yeah can you think of an instance where because you mentioned there um sometimes it would sort of boil over after practice can you think of an instance where that (laughs) happened multiple (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah for sure like and one year I was in volleyball school but I wasn't staying in, at the boarding school I was always uh going home after the practice so you have like you have a school uh, part which is like four hours of school for example in, uh, in the volleyball school and then after you go back to this uh, it's called the Euro Volley Center where the boarding school's at where the practice facilities are and stuff and then you work out you have weights you have uh tactical uh, video sessions you have a uh, ball practice and stuff and then after normally you stay in the boarding school but i was going home uh with him so sometimes we had a huge fight and then we were in the car in the car together driving home like half an hour 40 minutes or something and just like no word you know like, so pissed as a, as a young boy or something and then yeah my mom was there as a mediator you know <laughs> And when, food, when the food, like when we arrived home and you saw all the like delicious food on the table, like everything was fine again and we're all happy. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of the volleyball school is so interesting to me because I've heard it from a lot of Belgian yeah. players, but I haven't heard it from any other country that does this yeah. starting in high school. Yeah. That you do yeah. half. So can you explain? I mean, we're such a, just... a small country. So, you know, for us, it only made sense to, you know, we have to from a young age, start practicing really hard. You know, we were like practicing 20 hours yeah. a week, mm-hmm. you know, which is a lot for a young body. So, um, yeah. but, but it was our only chance if we wanted to like be any good, you know, on the international level. And I think there's a couple of generations that have, uh, that have shown the results of it. You know, now, uh, we have a more established national team. Our youth like, uh, is doing better and stuff. So it's, I think it was great. It's just a little bit like, you know, it's a lot, it's hard and it's not for everyone, you know? Um, Are there you, players that oh, go sorry. through the system and then don't go play yeah, pro or don't go to the yeah, national team? Absolutely. It's, it's like, you know, the best, uh, we were, we won the bronze medal of the junior European championship. 
in Poland in 2016 or something. And the best setter of the yeah. tournament was our setter. He doesn't like he plays like in the third league now in Belgium or something. He is the guy who like, for example, I called for painting my apartment. He's just like he's painting my apartment and stuff. And then you hear that uh-huh. this guy, he was best setter of Europe in this junior category, you know, for example. And that's just crazy. And then then you just, yeah, I think as a player, it's it's a decision you have to make, you know, at after the volleyball school, when you have a professional contract, am I going to go for it or am I not going to go for it? You know, am, am I going to study or do something else? And that's also a lot of players, yeah, they just decide to study or something, you know. By the looks of things, he has done a very good job painting the apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so um, you went to the volleyball school. Did your brother and your sister also go? Yeah. Okay. Um, and whilst you were there, was turning pro always the thing that was at the forefront of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I mean, and... I mean, it's it's a serious commitment, you know. I. I feel like um, I was going to the school before here in Brussels, a normal school. And, you know, I, it was so nice, you know, just like kind of uh, after you go to the volleyball school, you can't have those um, first parties or, uh, I don't know, Boy Scouts or things you're doing, like, you know, just like other stuff. And like even because you commit to this volleyball and you're staying there and like yeah. five days of the seven and you're just exhausted in the weekends and stuff. So you give up on a lot of things that like uh, other people have, you know, and then some are probably after this, like uh, five, uh, sorry, four years in the volleyball school when they're like 17 years old, they're like, I want to go study now. I want to have this like social uh, thing. I want to party. I want to, which is fine as well, you know, but it's, you have to make a lot of decisions to actually get there, you know, and also for a young player in Belgium, unfortunately in Belgium, there's only, like I said, three, four teams that work professionally. So the the rest they can play at because the four teams have better players as well. So the young players or they go to these clubs where they don't work professionally and they even practice like three or four times a week, which which is not enough if you're still a young player, you know, and they don't have weight sessions, for example. It's just not professional. So it is also hard if you don't get into one of those top teams. And then there's another thing you have to play because, you know, if you want to improve, you have to play. Uh, so it's also really hard and you have to make sacrifices for it um and yeah i can understand that some players were like yeah you know they get out off of track because the system is not making it easier for you to uh to reach the top level or something you know? so is that essentially what happened with your brother then uh, oh, see ya yeah no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> Bye, so, yeah fun. yeah that's enough <laughs> lovely podcast uh tell you about the school drop the mics here um so so that's what happens with your with your brother then he was the kind of was he the first you did say he was the eldest of you all right yeah so he was the first on that pathway and he decided yeah love this game but not that much yeah he was like uh, and he was playing in a team that wasn't that professional and um you know they don't or, or or you study and you're able to combine it with volleyball or you earn decent money from volleyball, but you commit to it 100%, you know? And this team, for example, there's some teams that say, okay, we want to be professional as well, but they cannot have the financial means to support it. And then it's also hard, you know, because then you're giving up a lot. So I can understand you have to be like really kind of talented in a sense, I guess, already in the first place, but also mostly like 
have a certain mindset where you really say, I'm willing to make sacrifices and maybe even like, you know, uh, suck it up for one year or something like not earning that much or something or two years yeah. to actually like after hopefully if, if everything works out, go abroad or something and, you know, play on the higher levels or in the highest leagues. It's funny hearing you say go abroad because what go abroad for me is like my parents are in the States going abroad is, you know, yeah. six hours time difference for you. It's like, whoop, just drive yeah, across the border yeah, yeah. to Germany. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Europe is small. Yeah. yeah. How important do you think then, um, just to close that off now, do you think your sister turning pro was to you? Because, you know, two, two elder siblings, one did, one didn't. Yeah. Do you think she sort of showed the pathway for you and showed that it was possible? Or do you think you'd have been fully committed to going that way anyway? Um, I think I would have been committed uh, anyways because yeah, I had the, um, we say like the microbe. We say like I really, I really uh, liked playing volleyball at like 10 years old or something. I was able to like start spiking better. And then because if you can't like let's let's be honest if you can't play volleyball that well it's also for a lot of people not that fun you know it's mm -hmm. a technical <laughs> sport it's difficult but uh, so for me it was also i was like oh i like soccer i was soccer and then i started being able to spike harder and stuff and then it got really cool you know and then i was like totally hooked and uh all the youtube videos watching and this and that and yeah so i think yeah helen of course it's nice to see like Oh, my sister's doing this, but it wasn't like, oh, I want to do it because of her. You know, mm -hmm. it's also different. Speaking, yeah. speaking of YouTube, I heard from a little birdie that your sister makes YouTube videos. She makes vlogs oh, yeah. of when she's traveling with the yeah. team. Yeah, sometimes she that does that. That is so awesome. Yeah, because you know, like playing abroad, sometimes uh, you have some free time when you have to, I don't know, rest your body after practices and stuff. Uh, she yeah. she really uh she really enjoyed that sometimes making videos of her friends and stuff and kind of like something creative but they're pretty cool that uh, you should check them out like they're actually well yeah i saw a couple of them i saw one where she was with i mean she had a, sort of a selfie stick and probably a, a gopro or yeah, something on the end i'm not yeah. sure and, and she did everything in reverse in black and white do you know which one i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was yeah. so cool she's super creative yeah, she, has a, she has a talent for that i also really like them and it's just something I don't know. She started doing it. I was like, oh, and all her friends know her for that as well. When there's like weddings or something, yeah. like uh, Lisa Vanecke got married to about Weissmans, and then they had like a little video, a montage or something. And it's also Elaine who made it, you know, because they're like, ah, Elaine, you're good with that stuff. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love hearing about athletes who do creative things outside of volleyball because it's it's for me that's more interesting than to talk about the the championships or the medals or you know the trainings. I'm sort of like, what else do you do? Yeah. Like, I really wanted to ask you. I mean, I asked you about the yoga already, but I saw some guitars, some electric guitars. Oh yeah, in the background. Yeah, Are you a player? Oh, as well, I don't know if you see it. Yeah. What's so? I'm a bit of a guitar nerd. Talk to me. What are you? Uh, what are you playing? Are you <laughs> well, any good? Are you acoustic? All, are you electric? That good. You know, I started uh, playing guitar when I was in Katowice, so that was like two years ago. I started playing it, um, but I have a Fender, uh, a Stratocaster, Ooh. and then I have a, oh, yeah. just like an acoustic Fender here. 
Um, oh, nice. I, so you have three guitars. I have uh, a, a ukulele I got from my sister, actually. There's a ukulele there, <laughs> and there's like a, an acoustic, and then there's an electric. Um, wow. But I'm, I'm like, I'm a huge music guy. Like, so I have my record player um, with, with oh, there nice. in my wall unit. But uh, oh, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I'm a huge music guy. Like everything that, that's like music history and like, um, you know, like 61, big 60s, 70s. Like I'm so fascinated. I watch all these documentaries about it and stuff and music theory. I'm like, you know, I like to produce some music. Um, I'm also studying event management, music and entertainment. So yeah, I just, uh, oh, nice. outside of volleyball, like when I come back from practice, yeah, I just like kind of like uh, learn to play the guitar and stuff, you know, so. Well, the correct number yeah. of guitars that one should own is N plus one. So keep, <laughs> keep on collecting. <laughs> Mystery man. Thomas Key. Uh, yes. Mystery Man is a feature that we've been rolling with. Matt and I, Matt, who you will meet in a in a later episode, Thomas, uh, we did a surprise podcast with Mystery Man. And we've been giving clues every episode to try and get our guest, which today is, is you, Thomas, and our listeners to try and work out who Mystery Man is. So I will read you the clues we've had so far then i will give you another clue and you've got to try and guess who it is so nine clues so far do you play volleyball beach or snow the answer was volleyball have you ever won the champions league yes what is your shoe size 14 right-handed or left-handed they're right-handed have you ever won the european championship yes what part of volleyball, volleyball are you best known for? Defence, spike or block? The answer was spike. How many different clubs have you played for? Two. What year were you born? 1988. And have you ever won the world championships? No. Uh, this is the clue for today. Who was your volleyball idol? Uh, Sergei Titushin. For those who are listening, not watching, Thomas has put his face yeah. super close to the screen so he can hear who it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want Do you want to have a guess, Thomas? Oh, Spiker. He won the. He's European. I'm guessing it's an opposite. He has like big, big feet. <laughs> <laughs> what size feet are you? Uh, I don't know in uh, U.S. sizes. But uh, what's like 40, what in your 47 two thirds? Oh, 47. Uh, wow, not, same as me. Uh, normal. Um, but oh, this is a hard. Oh, this is hard. It is, it is very because difficult. It, he must be a receiver then because the two can, you know, as a receiver, but he's known for a spike, he's known as a spiker. But then maybe he's also Russian because you know they look up to their like own players and stuff. But from 88, the thing is, like, that's already pretty old. Like, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. I'm just Burn. throwing I mean... myself off the balcony. <laughs> oh, I'm a full Olympic me, cycle older than me, that. It's just, I know players better from like 93 to 1, 90 back. Mm -hmm. 89 becomes well, already a more, more difficult. What I will say is. And I'm not supposed to give any clues. You def you've definitely heard of this player. Yeah, I guess so. If he was European champion already before. 
Euro- European champion who's won a Champions League. Who's won a Champions League? Yeah, he'd won Champions League. Yeah. Only played for two clubs. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, but again, yeah. I, I that threw that threw me because I'm giving I'm giving you far too many clues here. But I thought he'd only played for one club. I uh, I was thinking of uh, Atanasiewicz, but he's not from '88. Uh, but he also played for Perugia and Belgatov. I think only like two teams, maybe. Okay, maybe. I mean, it's a good guess. We'll register it, and I can neither confirm nor no, deny. No, it's not the right guess because he's no. I know he's from '92 or '91, like that age category. Wait, give me one more guess, okay? I'm okay, gonna say Soko, Sokolov, maybe. I can neither confirm nor deny. But two two good guesses. You will get other opportunities and other clues to guess in future episodes. Uh, right. What else do we have to do in this podcast, Key? Uh, we spoke a little bit about your sister, Thomas. Yeah. Do you want to hear the quote that I oh, found? Oh, quote gathered, and we. I've we've been gathering quotes. That's all I do for. You've done Look. some properly legitimate investigative investigative journalism, and I just um, yeah yeah. Matt, Matt was like, "Look, you're gonna have to do a bit of stalking." I was like, Whoa, "Okay." <laughs> all right. So I want to see if you agree with this. Yeah. What I really admire her for is her extreme work attitude. There's nobody I know that works harder for what she wants. Yeah, that's a nice one. That's a really nice one. But she yeah. is really like, oh, she makes you feel bad like in Corona times because she's working out every single day like, and finding <laughs> ways to work out with weights. And yeah, she is, um, she, that's very true. Like really nice attitude and um she has a lot of, like, she already had a lot of injuries, so she has to take really good care of her body. And, like, when she's fit, she played amazing seasons so far. Uh, but a lot of seasons also, she had something like, you know, a little surgery here or this or that. So she is also, I think, physically, like, really for sure, like, oh, she's on, uh, on point, you know, on, on top of yeah. things. So a nice quote. Wow, we're getting a lot of compliments. <laughs> They're all anonymous like, though, like because I don't want anyone to, you know, feel like they have to say. Sorry. I like her journalism. Like she does a good research, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's the only th- I get. You know, I'm going on Wikipedia and finding all the all the stats, and I'm like, what else? That's something extra. Inside stories. I've I've gone through down to like 2011 of your Facebook page. Don't worry. Holy <laughs> moly. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, I saw on your Facebook page that you um, asked for people to donate to Greenpeace for your birthday. And yeah. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Mm. Basically, nobody donated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got like 300 euros. Yeah, or something. Was... Anyone's listening and feels like donating to Greenpeace. Yeah, because it, like, it Facebook gives you this possibility like to do it. And I was like, great. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about like, uh, you know, yeah, climate change and stuff like I yeah i was like yeah this is still the, our biggest uh problem in this world even right now uh, okay, uh corona mm-hmm. stuff but so i was like yeah let's do it like you know let's uh save the environment <laughs> and then like i guess i raised like 90 euros or something or 90 dollars or and i put like as a goal like 500 <laughs> or something and i invited no, all when of I my looked friends it was like 300 like, euros what Something like that. I think it was about 300 euros. Ah, okay, yeah. Maybe it was a little more, yeah. Maybe I put like, yeah, some yeah. money in there. I, was, like, oh, yeah. I invited everyone. I was like, you jerks. Like, nobody, like... <laughs> really... Serious question. 
And this is perhaps the most serious question we've asked you in the entirety of this podcast. Who's the best Rousseau player? <laughs> Holy shit, sorry, it's a serious question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I were you, I'd just say the baby that was just born because I don't want to, <laughs> I wouldn't want to offend anyone. I'm always on the sitting on the fence on those kind well, of things. Well, I guess like I guess my yeah. I okay, my my dad never went abroad as a player even when he mm-hmm. could like he didn't do it because he met my mom, etc. But I think after the season my sister played, I would have to say my sister and after where she's going now Korea and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, pretty amazing. She, she played like one of her best seasons so far. So I would have to give it to her, you know, but you know, it can still change. You never know. <laughs> now, Key, do you think he means that? Or do you think he's just saying it <laughs> publicly? Uh, I think he genuinely means it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Like, I mean, <laughs> it would have been different if I would have like, you know, if, if I'm like, wow, played I think I, I also count seasons, you know, you always have like better and, and I had like last season, like the season before the one that we had now was like, I played amazing. They played so like my best season so far. So maybe in that situation, I would have been like, you know, super full of confidence and uh, saying cocky, like, yeah, it's me, you know, now it's, yeah, now it's my sister. Right? Yeah, for sure. But it goes back and forth. Goes yeah. back and forth. We're just going to have to check in with you at the end of every season to see. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. I think that is a nice place to to wrap this to wrap this opening episode, Thomas. Thank you so much. And Key, can you stop showing me up with all this great investigative journalism, please? (laughs) Goodness me, I'm supposed to be the pro here. Um, Just just finally, Thomas, any any thoughts on episode one? Are you going to drop out of two and three now, or can we look forward to welcoming you back? Of course, of course, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, good man. Good man. Asking me questions, and I'm just answering the questions, like getting all the attention. Like seriously, like who doesn't? (laughs) In the next episode, you should ask Dave questions. See what you can get out of him. Yeah, feel feel free. Um, So I think we've uh, we've talked about the Russo family. In future episodes, we are going to find out about the Belgian team. I'm particularly looking forward to whether or not you know the answer. Why you are called the... I keep saying the Red Devils because I support Manchester United. I'm such a bad man. (laughs) Why you're called the Red Dragons, which again, I should know because that's what they call Wales. uh, And why the women are the Yellow Tigers and much more detail than that. And also, I'm looking forward to talking about playing in Poland because for a Brit, the first time you experience a Polish atmosphere it is like the most positive punch in the face you're ever likely to receive positive punch in the face what kind of analogy is that because because it is like a punch in the face but you're like actually that's all right (laughs) (laughs) oh key uh it is not just the a space podcast that you do what else do you do for cev and when can people listen to it Dave and I and Matt, we do unscripted episodes that come out every Friday, so listen up, people, and hashtag Let Volleyball Talk if you want to get involved, if you want us to talk about some things. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's perfect. And the podcast comes out on Monday, the video on Wednesday, and then the unscripted with myself, Key, and Matt on Friday. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, write us a review, and we'll bring you more great episodes like this one with Thomas Russo. But until next time... Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.